Hi, welcome to Be With The Word. I am Dr. Jerry Creed, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm here with my co-host. I'm Dr. Peter Melanoski, clinical psychologist in Indianapolis, Indiana. And we're thrilled that you're here with us. We uh, do, and Be With The Word, we share reflections on the Sunday readings. If you want to hear the Sunday readings, go to our podcast, Hear The Word, and you can listen to us read it to you. Or you can go to the bishop's website or go to your Magnificat or whatever you're looking at and read them yourself. But uh, we hope you enjoy uh, our readings at, from time to time, and it will help give you some context for what we're going to talk about, too. Uh, but I'm so excited about this reading. First of all, how are you doing, Dr. Peter? I'm doing great today. It's a beautiful day here in Indianapolis, Indiana. Dr. Jerry, it's good to see you. Yes, I don't know. You're always very well shaven and your hair is always extremely short. I'm getting a little bushy. <laughs> well, my 15-year-old daughter is my barber. And so, you know, there's been no ceasing of essential hair services at our house. She is able right. to continue on. So, Well, I mean, um, I could trim the beard more, but I feel like <laughs> since the hair is not doing anything, I might as well see what happens. I could have a, a real Byzantine beard by the end of this virus situation. You never know. There you go. There you go. <laughs> that would be so, really fascinating. Well, well, this, this Sunday's readings are all really focused on Jesus as the good shepherd, right? Yes. And uh, this theme of shepherd. And so, and I'm taking the lead on this this episode, um, but, and I was a little intimidated because <laughs> Dr. Peter is an expert on such things as sheep and goats and other animal livestock, and I am not. I'm a city boy, and he is a homesteader. And so uh, I kind of worked really hard and, and did some <laughs> research. So, uh, you know, not so that I don't uh, fall short too much, at least. So. <laughs> oh, my. That's great. Uh, That's great. All right. So, so but but I'm open to, to obviously your thoughts on it or if you have yeah. any insights on sheep yeah. that somehow I miss. But, okay, so <laughs> here's the thing. Things I've learned. First of all, there's a big difference between a Palestinian shepherd and what I might have in my head is the typical British type shepherd. We don't have sheep as much in Canada, but like we don't eat sheep in Canada so much or in the United States. But uh, in Britain, it's much more common, right? And uh, mutton and so on. So, um, but Palestinian shepherds actually didn't eat their sheep primarily. They mostly used them for, I mean, they mostly used them for their wool. That was the primary reason. And so one of the things I learned was that Palestinian shepherds or Israeli or shepherds at the time of Israel were, um, were with their shepherd for years. And so they actually had a, quite a bond, right? So when we hear in the reading, Jesus said that the, the shepherd knows his voice, uh, the sheep knows the shepherd's voice mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. won't respond to a stranger's voice. Apparently that's actually you know, quite true. Because they really did have that that level of bonding, and so I thought that was kind of cool. The other thing is that I have this idea of shepherds that's probably idyllic. It probably comes from you know the scene of the shepherd from the manger scenes. They look like you know these young guys with they you know kind of happy and or, or or those Hallmark type cards where the shepherds look ridiculously idealized and all this. But in reality, as I learned, being a shepherd, especially in Israel at this time, was a hard life, 
very, very hard life and that they were almost never off duty. They were always, they had to be 24 seven, that the sheep were not actually um, like they weren't enclosed typically, except sometimes at night they weren't during the day. They had no sheep dogs. So they, this was a hard job and they were on duty all the time. And there was this danger always of the possibility of a wild animal, like a wolf coming in uh, or thieves, robbers, brigands coming in and, and invading. So shepherds had to be tough dudes, I think like they, they weren't, they, they, they had, and they had to be really good. And okay. Other things I learned. <laughs> Just well, they're out in the elements too, right? I mean, whatever oh, the right. weather is, they're in the middle of it. They're not enclosed typically. Yeah. Right. They're not, they're not shelters. There's not, you know, sh- you know, b- big barns or other things that they can retreat to if the weather's bad. So right, you're out there right. in the hail and the rain and the snow, you know, the wind. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, things I didn't know also that were helpful is the items that shepherds had. And I didn't fully grasp the meaning of them. So they had a little bag, right? A little called a script that they would have food. Now they had a sling, right? Like, so I picture David, right? Cause he was right. a shepherd and it, right. he had a sling. So of course they right. did, but they, I didn't realize because they didn't have sheep dogs, they would have to be really proficient in shooting their sling at the sheep, but to miss the sheep, I'd like to warn it. So it would go like right above its nose oh, almost. Wow. And then that would get the sheep to like come back over. Cause huh. I didn't, so I, t- oh, I didn't so you know, didn't know this. Cool, cool. I had no idea. I had no idea. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? And, and then, okay. The staff was used to defend themselves literally. So the staff was primarily used as a weapon if they were attacked. Now the rod was like, has the crook on it is it, it was used to catch and pull back the sheep. Right. So it had that, it, it had that aspect to it. So, I'm learning all these things of the details that actually make now when I hear things like your rod and your crook or I hear the staff and your rod, I kind of now can imagine that more closely. Right. So, right. Okay. The only other, I'm not going to go on. I could go on for a while because I made lots of notes and I won't go on and on about them (laughs) because once I get into a topic, I can't stop. But one thing that's really cool. Okay. There was, what I learned is in the winter, the shepherd would usually take the sheep back to the village and they would go into some kind of enclosure in the village. But during the warm weather, um, they were out on the hillside and at night they had these little walls there are these little walls and to keep the sheep in. But there was the shepherd would literally um, sleep where the opening was. So he created a physical little gate out of his person. And literally the sheep, if they, to get out, they would literally have to climb over the shepherd to get out. So they weren't getting out without him noticing or anything else getting in. And that puts the context to Jesus saying, you know, I am the gate, you know, and they, you know, to allow you in and out or the robbers who leap over, right. They're not doing anything good by, if somebody's trying to leap over your little wall, that means they're wanting to steal your sheep or kill your sheep or something. So, um, yeah. So, so literally Jesus is saying, I'm physically, my body is the gate that keeps you safe, keeps you safe at night, which I don't know. I did not know that. And so I, 
I mean, I just sort of pictured a gate, like some kind of swinging right. gate. It's kind of a swinging gate with a little chain and a lock and, you know. Yeah, yeah. but it, it has well, this different meaning now or connotation yeah. to picture a shepherd out in the hillside. And his very body is the thing. And so to me, the qualities of a good shepherd are that he's vigilant, fearless, and patient, lovingly patient. Beautiful, really, to think that that's the image that Christ wants to give to us, that he is vigilant, that he, is, he has courage, and, and he's, he patiently loves just like a really good shepherd would for his sheep. Well, and he's relational, right? Because he calls the sheep by name, right? Yeah, right. You don't, he knows the sheep's name. Like he's given him those names and they respond, you know, and so there is a there is a real relational component that's gonna be really different than, you know, mm-hmm. factory farms, you know, where sheep are ear tagged with a number or something like that, you know. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I guess what was hitting me as I was trying to like make that the psychological link there was I was thinking about what causes disconnections. Or what? Or how do you trans? Not what causes them. How do you transform disconnections? And there are a number of things. I'm going to write a blog on this. So there's a blog going to come out um, that you can you can uh, will already be out by the time this airs, and on transforming disconnections. But I wanted to zoom in on one piece, and that is sort of the theme that I was hoping to kind of keep going with today, and that is being open to being influenced, because as I was reading about these sheep. <laughs> they um will apparently they will go off easily so they 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 constantly will stray and it might be because they're looking especially in, i found out in palestine sometimes there isn't a lot of grass like it's not like i'm not picturing an irish hillside full of grass there's probably <laughs> a different terrain right I, i've never been to israel i don't know if you have um yeah so i haven't seen it but, but apparently it's dry it's dry so a sheep might looking for grass might decide to wander off right easily or sheep doesn't they don't always um know what's in their best interest therefore right and they're they're definitely um easy prey alone sheep um pretty defenseless animals right (laughs) there is no there is no other domestic animal less equipped to make it in the wild than a sheep for so many reasons (laughs) you know so so yeah that whole question of influence and we're the sheep Right, we're the sheep needing a shepherd, and this whole idea of can we accept the reality of our ovineness, our sheepness? You know, are <laughs> yeah. we willing to do that? Because there are things that get in the way for us. There are all right. kinds of things that get in the way of us listening and being uh, docile or being uh, willing to hear the voice of the shepherd. Right. Right. So. Right. Right. So I I was thinking a little bit, when we're disconnected from God, ultimately, and also from each other, then I I really do think that is a source of a lot of our suffering. That is a source of um, us feeling distressed, feeling disconnected. And so, and we can even be disconnected, okay, not only from God and others, but even from ourselves. Oh, yeah. Right? And so... When I think of a disconnected person, I'm now I'm picturing a sheep. <laughs> and the sheep is just going to kind of go off on its own and be at, at terrible risk. And, 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 and it doesn't know any better. And yet it ends up in a situation like we often do where we feel, hey, if we're disconnected from ourselves, we feel inauthentic. 
we feel isolated. If we're disconnected from other people, we we um, you know we we we're, we feel again isolated and we feel threatened possibly, and you know to have different negative feelings. And and we even when people come to us with a concern or a problem, we may have resistance to it. We either resist it directly or immediately, or we don't even, or we withdraw, right? Or we don't have a response. And it creates, therefore, that reaction creates more disconnection. So our response to people coming to us with concerns is often, you know, uh, leads to further disconnection. And I think that's so kind of the like, thing, right? Like people are like uh, being defensive or something, or yes, yeah. okay. So, yeah, so in other words, people come it. with some 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 kind of concern. They're pointing out something in us, and we react, and we react right. in a way that doesn't take it in, right? You know, we just in get fact more makes more it worse. Alienated. Yeah, it makes yeah. it worse. Yeah. yeah, right. And and it's difficult to instead stop right and and i think this will get to our action item which which i guess i'll leak a little bit in advance but is that that you actually helped me with you i love that that you put this was stop drop and listen so in other words you know because unlike a sheep i think that if a sheep's going to resist right at first it might then you know give in and, and, and go at some point but it it, it it can be i think from what i understand a little bit stubborn in its persistence mm-hmm Okay. Okay. And so, um, so can we, <laughs> and, and if we stop and we drop and we basically stop and go, okay, what is this person really trying to tell us? And we right. listen and we say, am I open to being influenced? Am I open at all? Like I don't have to commit to agreeing with everything another person says, right? We may right. or may not, but am I going to at least allow myself to possibly hear some truth? And, 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 and to be willing to own it a little bit, to listen to it, and possibly make some kind of action change as a result. And, so, and yeah, you're kind of mm-hmm. stopping. You're stopping and then you're dropping the objections, right, to just kind right. of create that space openly. And then, and then, yeah, to hear if there's truth in what they're saying or even if there's not – well, let's, let's, let's do this. What if there's not truth in what they're saying? Like what if, like, objectively they've totally got it wrong? Can it still be worth it to listen to that? What do you think about that? Yeah, I would definitely say yes, right? All because right, tell me why? Because if it's just if it's a bunch of nonsense, why would we even want to listen to it, Jerry? <laughs> well, I think that we would because uh, first of all, the person is coming with the nonsense with some. There might be another issue or another concern that is causing that, okay. right? So it could be that their nonsense is really being caused because, let's say, for example something else is really bothering them and they're now presenting to you as a concern. And so if you just argue with whatever they're saying, if that's your, your lead leg in the dance right. is just to argue, then you're just going to create more conflict with that person. Nothing's going to get resolved. Nothing underneath is going to get discovered. But if you okay, actually so- sh- show that you care okay. about okay. their concern, whether it's right or not, it opens them up, right? to possibly right. softening and then possibly even listening to you right and your concerns or or it may help them understand what the what their real concern is right because mm-hmm. they may come to you with some surface thing that they're aware of but they're not aware of the deeper thing and you might actually be able to help them get at that deeper thing right that's yeah. Yeah. you know so so the reality is is are you prioritizing the relationship 
and the connection or whether or not you're right or wrong or they're, yeah. you know. Yeah. And it's so human to want to be right. <laughs> to want to be right. Yeah. Or to not want the situation as it is, right? To to accept that that person has a concern that somehow doesn't seem to resonate with you, but right. he has a concern and that concern is real. In other words, it, he's really having a concern. Um, mm-hmm. Even if the way that that the other person is understanding the concern may not be um, may not be very tightly tied together or very clear, right? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. I mean, that's yeah. really true with little kids, right? Have you ever had a little kid, you know, <laughs> and the little kid is totally broken down about something that seems extremely minor, even for the world of a little kid. A lot of times, if you follow that thread back with mm-hmm. a little kid, you'll find more of what they're really concerned about. You know, mm. that there's something else going on there, you know, yeah. and so, yeah, yeah. but you have to actually have that child a little calmer, being able to be in that holding environment to be able to explore that with them. Yeah. So, that happens no, in therapy all the time. People come in with a little with a, with concerns, but those aren't the concerns that they're really struggling with. You know, mm-hmm. there's stuff behind them. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what husbands and wives getting all upset with each other about toilet seat up, toilet seat down. It's never about the toilet seat. It's about other things. Respect, <laughs> you know, understanding, you know, that they might not be able to put into words very clearly. So. Yeah. 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 Well, so, you know what? I, I just want to bring back just a couple of the other readings, just tie them in a yeah. little bit. We have a moment. And I and I really thought, let me just see here. Um, OK. Um one it's uh the first letter of peter and what i thought was interesting was he's there talking about um actually it's interesting the, the readings they cut off the opening in the in the actual readings for sunday and the very beginning of that little chapter does contextualize it slightly by saying be subject to good and perverse masters so if you're if your master is uh good that's all very nice right especially like if you're a servant or a slave but if your master is not if he's unjust or whatever it then it gets into you know um it's a sign of grace when a man bears that pain even in unjust suffering right because of his conscious you know his conscious uh consciousness toward god so that kind of hit when i put that context in there i realized well um, what do we do when someone above us, an authority over us, is actually unjust? And and that I think is what Peter Saint Peter is getting at here. And in the early church, literally, a, a lot of early cr- Christians were all slaves. Like there, the Roman Empire at that time had millions and mil, like I think. 50 million or more slaves in the Roman empire in the new Testament times. So it was common to be a slave and, and you didn't have to be, we picture, you know, some person pushing the pyramid or something, right. Some rocks, but no, that you could be teachers, doctors, right. we're all like, this is how the, the society worked. And when you were a slave in the Roman period, you were, um, even if you were, you could be treated nicely. Like a lot of times they had nice masters and all this, but um, you had, even if you were treated nicely, you were a, you were a possession. You were right. essentially You're a owned. thing, yeah. like a sheep, like a sheep. You and so there was no justice for you. And so what? What's cool about the our Christian faith, though, and what happened in the early church was that you have everyone 
the message we get in in in, in Paul and we get in here in St. Peter is in Christianity, everyone is equal. Everyone is precious in God's eyes. Everyone's free. Yeah, everyone is free. They'll think there's no free or free men or slave, right? In yeah. Christianity. You know, and we're so all like, whoa. Yeah. You know, and, and I was thinking like some of the earlier martyrs, like there's Saint um Perpetua and Saint Felicitas who were martyred together. One was a slave girl and one was an aristocrat. Aristocrat, yeah. And they were both murdered together. You know, they weren't, there was no distinction in God's eyes, and they were both, you know, saints. Um, even um, there was a Pope, Pope Callistus was a slave. You know, so it's interesting. They like the whole social order was a little bit trans, was transformed by Christianity. And yet, and the model, right, of being a sheep is with this loving God, is our ultimate loving shepherd and that security transforms us you know even if on earth we run into situations where there's injustice or we're being treated unfairly and peter teaches us in this that we have to handle that injustice right the way that christ did yeah i mean look at christ himself right the blessed virgin um saint joseph they were subject to the roman rule and the census was called and they've yeah. got to leave nazareth or they've got to leave uh they've got to leave galilee to go down to bethlehem an extremely right. difficult journey where she is where our our lady is about to give birth to, mm-hmm. to god himself like you'd be yeah. you could say yeah i'm not going to do that but they were subject to that authority they were subject to that authority there's a real modeling there for us you know at a time mm-hmm. when we might be really upset with our with our authorities, you know, with our civil authorities or our ecclesiastical authorities, you know, yeah. that they're still good in that obedience to them in all things that don't violate um, natural or divine law. So. Right, right, right. And so in a way, when I was talking about disconnections, right, um, it's really nice when we can have real good connections and overcome those disconnections. But there are situations in life where we can't. And so if we're stuck with the disconnection. To me, what's interesting is that we're given a model in Christ and how to how to handle it. And he's the model of the suffering servant. And it's in a sense, it's like we know that, um, you know, God is with us and that we're offering that, I guess, to him. We're offering that suffering up. And we, in fact, are going to rise above it in a certain way. So even in an unjust situation, I'm still going to do my best. I might be tempted on a human level to be disgruntled, right? but I'm going to offer that up to do my very best because my work is not just for that master, whether and my work is not for IBM or Coca-Cola or some company. My work is for God. And well, that's, that's the critical him. thing. And that's what we, because there's so many psychological reasons why we might be rebellious, right? Why we might not be willing to recognize you know legitimate authority um you know there's all kinds of things in us that have to do with our previous experiences you know that have to do with our 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 you know our cherishing our own ideas you know of not being able to understand you know how this might be good for us or good for other people a distrust in divine providence things like that so yeah, i'm mm-hmm. just kind of interested about like what are the psychological obstacles to being a sheep to accepting our sheepness if you will uh in in in, you know because it's that it's when we don't that we start to defy reality we start to defy like who we really are and that 
causes problems in relationship and causes problems in identity. You know? Right. Because now we're thinking we're something else, something other than we really are. But we, but don't we psychologically, our desire, it's very consistent with then what we see in Acts, right? With the idea, and what's mentioned, I think as well in the Gospels, about the thieves and the robbers. Because... Right. Because what is our natural reaction to somebody to something unjust or something that doesn't seem right to us? Like I don't have enough grass in this part of the pasture, so I'm going to go off into a crevice, right? So, so my reaction is to to just go off on my own, do my own thing, or to fight, right? And in a way, we know that the I, I think, from what I can gather, when Jesus talks about thieves and robbers, he may be he, he may be referring to a number of things. I mean, it's an analogy metaphor, right. but but he may be referring to zealots, right? Like the like that time in the Roman Empire, there were lots of uprisings in that part of the world yeah. because they all didn't yeah. want to be oppressed by the Romans, <laughs> and they were always being crushed. So right. Jesus coming and being like, uh, "I'm the Messiah," but I died on a cross. Right? That's did it make un- any unthinkable. sense? Yeah, it's unthinkable. It doesn't compute, right? So, so we have a natural tendency to want to just fight. And so in right. relationships, we just want to fight. We just want to like have it out, argue, and just win the battle and take what we want and run, right? Take the sheep that we want <laughs> and go cook it, I guess. I don't know. but <laughs> Or get its wool, I guess, in Palestine. So, <laughs> what, But Jesus is saying, I have a completely different way a completely right. different way of approaching it. And that is uh, as a suffering servant, but a way that brings actually brings abundant life, whether you're a good master or a bad master, whatever's going on. So there's a way in which we rise above those things through union with him. So we've got to be able to trust that shepherd. In order to trust that shepherd, we've got to be in relationship. We've got to be close enough to him yes. so that we recognize him. And we yes. have to have enough experience, you know, to be able to say, yes, even though I don't understand the situation, even though I don't understand why this person is telling me this, there's something mm-hmm. good in here, something yeah. that's better for me than what I can come up with if I'm left to my own devices, if I'm, if I pursue my own way. Yeah. Right. And I think that's the huge challenge. I yeah. think it's the huge challenge of humility to really own our sheep, you know, our sheep identity. Um right. You know, and not to try to be some self-sufficient sheep, you know, a prepper sheep, right. a sheep that's, you know, that's going to make it on his own, well-equipped, you know, has the knowledge, has the power, has the arms, you know, the weapons, the, you know, the strength, you know, the intelligence to like really make it on his own. This is, you know, Floyd the super sheep, you know, he's going to be his own, <laughs> his own master. He's going to be his own shepherd. I think we try to do that. I think we try to right. do that. And the image of a sheep doing that for anybody that's worked with sheep is ridiculous. You know, and that would have been really apparent to anybody in Palestine, anybody in Israel, you know, at the time that Jesus was saying that this was like an insult to refer to us as a sheep. Um, And so um, so we've but so we've got to like, you know, recognize that that's the analogy. It wasn't some other animal. You know, it wasn't a pig. It wasn't an ox sheep, you know, and that's very deliberate. (laughs) Yeah. You know, know, that's cool. And you know what's hitting me um, again in Acts? We have this, you know, it's St. Peter. I love it. We've got Peter in his letter. We've got Peter in Acts speaking. Right. And he's speaking to this crowd. And we actually get the opening and then it jumps like two chapters and it gets into the, the section that, that we, we read in the Sunday reading. But 
and then I had to go back and read because I had to understand what it meant when really what it meant when it said their hearts broke. And in souls and hearts, we always perk up when we hear the word soul right. or heart. Right. And their hearts broke. And I realized, and like looking back a little bit, the full context there is that he's speaking, St. Peter and the and the apostles are speaking to to this crowd who are and, and who are mostly Jewish there, but um and he's basically telling them you crucified our Lord. And their hearts broke when they realized what they had done. And then, and they had a repentance. He calls them to repentance and baptism. So they had to have a moment of, like you were saying, of humility and recognizing and have a complete change of mind. And therefore now a new action, new life, right? And, and, And what's amazing is, all they had to do was be repent and be baptized and God forgave them. Like it's, that was it. Yeah. For the worst, I could think of the worst crime in the world crime would would be to kill Christ. But I think that as sheep to answer your question, I think would be that we have to um, recognize we're responsible for his crucifixion because we can sit by piously and go, Oh, poor, you know, walk with him in the passion, but we're responsible we owe our whole lives to him. He did it for us. That sounds like nice words, but when you really hear it, your heart should break. And I think when your heart breaks for for love of the fact of what Christ did for us, you your heart your whole your mind will change, your whole disposition will change. And then you will be open to being influenced because you realize, oh my gosh, it's not all about me. I don't right. have to be self-sufficient super sheep. Right. In fact, I can't be. Yeah, doesn't make any sense. Yeah, they 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 took it in. They took in that they took in that correction. You know, mm-hmm. they were able to to not just consider it intellectually, but to consider it at the level of the heart, and they let themselves experience that. And then there were mm-hmm. conversions that happened. Three thousand conversions happened yeah. that day. Yeah. So. So yeah. Wow. So you're you've got. Is it time to go to the action item? Oh, um, how are we doing on time? Yeah, it is. It's yeah. thir- we're into thirty about thirty minute mark. <laughs> so yeah, let's let's because we mentioned it before the action right. item. You we want to you want to talk about it because you're actually the one who gave me the line, I, and I loved it. Well, I so this is all Dr. Jerry's idea, and I just had a little twist on it, and that but that was yeah. How do we how do we take these things in? So when you hear something that strikes you it's a criticism first of all stop don't just go with your immediate reaction because that immediate reaction is often very defensive it's often very resistant so stop and just drop the objections right stop drop and listen right stop to listen drop the objections and take in what that person is giving you take it in to see what is actually there that is true what is actually there that is good for you to know what in there is a gift from god because god's working through that person god's working through that person even if they don't know it even if they're not connected to god even if they're an atheist and don't even believe in god god's still working through that person all these things happen in his providential love so if you can take that as an opportunity to reflect on what the person is saying understand their experience it's going to lead you somewhere you know, you may hear something or connect to something very different than the person was bringing up, 
you know, but that person opened the door to that bigger truth for you, right? Because God loves to use us in his, in his plan of divine salvation, in his economy of salvation. He loves to use us. Mm-hmm. So when you were talking about what you were, what you were coming up with, that whole stop, drop, mm-hmm. and, and, and listen, right? In order to be able to take in, right? right. Helps us to like break that pattern of our habitual responding, which is so common, so human because, you know, we're trying to protect ourselves because we, you know, we, we, we think that, you know, that we're under attack right. and, you know, as a sheep, right. We're right. going to get some wounds, right. We're going to get some wounds. If we, if we, if we don't immediately defend ourselves, you know, we're going to be wounded, but we're not going to be killed by it, you right. know, and there's great good in it. So that's kind of how I, love I was that. construing it. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And, and you know, it's funny. Um, and sometimes also, though, we listen and realize if we stop, you know, drop our objections for a moment, we might realize, oh, maybe I wasn't quite, I missed the mark myself or my reaction would have missed the mark. Right. If we, we stop do that, listen, we do that. We do that with us. I mean, my goodness, this is a hard enough thing to run a business and now to run a business that's just starting out at times like these, you know, uh, you know, people, Jerry, Dr. Jerry and I have some conflicts, right? You know, we have things that land hard with each other and, you know, we have had opportunities to correct each other and it's easy to be defensive even when there's a deep friendship and a deep love between us. It's hard. It's hard. Even with somebody that I trust, I trust Dr. Jerry like a lot. It's one of my favorite people in the world and it can still be hard, you know, to like, <laughs> to take in some of the things that he's saying. So, you know, yeah. so, you know, and, and in marriage is the same thing. Yeah. You know, so. Oh, well, you know, Dr. Gottman, who's considered one of the greatest, great gurus, marriage gurus, right? And uh, one of the things that he had said was, uh, they got him into a little hot water because there was some pushback, but he said, husbands who are willing to be influenced by their wives have more successful marriages. And yeah, yeah and I think there's truth in that. Because uh, I think as men, you know, we have a tendency a little more than women to want to be right and to push our point. It's not 100% yeah. true of all, right? There's variations, but I would say there's probably men who have a harder time with that. And when we stop for a moment and, and think, well, what is my wife, what is she offering me? Right. What is she trying to, you know, and I'm willing to, to, to lean on her and accept right. her, her thoughts, ideas, feelings. It actually, it's a, it's a gift, not a, right. not a threat. Right. Um, right. But yeah, but, and also, but yeah, in friendships like ours, you know, yeah, we have right. to work through disconnections <laughs> too. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So thank you for saying that. And, and yeah. uh, cause I think that's true. And we grow as a result when we right. work through it, we end up being better better people, better sheep as a result. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, well, listen, we, we have, and, Oh, go ahead. When we, and we need those other sheep too. Like it's, it's, it's really, it, it's really hard on a sheep to be isolated. That's why if you ever start raising sheep, you never want one. You never want one because they're a flock animal. They're a herd animal. They don't want to be isolated from everybody else. It can't just be mm-hmm. the sheep and the shepherd, but it's got to be the other sheep as well. So, you wow, know. cool. Yeah. All right. Well, what have we got going on? I'm going to have a blog. I think I might have yes. alluded to it. That is going to be on um, uh, disconnections and uh, relational disconnections and how to transform those into greater, you know, uh, relationships and strong. How to work through those. Uh, and that those should already things. be up on our blog tab. Just go up the top oh, of Souls right. and Hearts. You see the little tab that says blog. Dr. Jerry's blog will be right there. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then there's uh, the course uh, called Be True for Restoring Your Marriage um, if there's a pornography issue. And we actually have a promotion going on. It's a very limited time special through Easter, uh, 50% off. So it's a big discount. And yeah, you can, if, you, on our, if you get our skim, which is uh, something that comes out every week, and you can go to the website and sign up for the skim, you will get the uh, link that will take you there where you can uh, take advantage of that offer. Right. Um, and if you if you can't find where the link is, just email office at soulsandhearts.com and put skim in the subject line and we'll get you on the skim to make it even easier. So Yeah. 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 And then there's a another course that's a great one that's just coming out, which is called Be Called. And it's about uh discerning uh a vocation, but it really is about um for young people who are interested in Catholic ministry, possibly uh figuring out their their vocation. What are the obstacles and problems that young people struggle with, and how? And and we have Dr. Mark Glafke leading that course, and he uh, works with a lot of young people, works with seminarians, and so on. And it's really about tackling the common problems that young people. Uh, and here I'm thinking college age, but anybody in their twenties, early thirties. Um, face. So struggles with depression, anxiety, substance use, pornography, um, and just figuring life out and getting living a more full life to prepare you for whatever your vocation is. So we hope you will join us for that course as well. All right. Any, have I forgotten anything? I think that's, I think that's, that's all of our it. stuff. Dr. Glafke is a great presenter and a good friend and he's an excellent, yeah. he's an excellent resource. So heartily recommend him. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for being with us. And uh, thank you for some of the comments that have come in as well. We appreciate your ideas and your comments on, on our different free courses and, and blogs and, and podcasts and everything. So we look forward to you know meeting your needs. So we'd love to hear about them. Yep. Uh, oh, and you're the well, we did mention your uh, uh, coronavirus. Course. Yeah, we're 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 doing really well with the podcast Coronavirus Crisis Carpe Diem. And that's really about getting over the psychological obstacles to seizing the day to seeing the opportunities and the possibilities in this crisis you know it's an opportunity for us to grow it's all providential and there's a community building up around that so uh that's really exciting we're going to start uh getting discussion boards up and we've got all kinds of things in the future uh that we're planning about how to come together as a community around that podcast within souls and hearts so so yeah check that out there's a wednesday email that comes up and you can register uh on the site for that as well but uh, it really is about being able to accompany each other through the difficult times, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that people are experiencing in being Catholic and living out your duties of state, living out your vocation and what that means in these times, these particular times of crisis. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah thank you. Awesome. All right, guys. We look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, be still. Believe. Love. Love. Take good care. God bless you all.